It's gone! It's a grand slam! And that's the ball game. This is the Prospects Baseball Show, your inside look at the boys and girls of summer. Here's your hosts, Dean Millard and Jordan Blundell. Hello there, welcome to episode 34 of the Prospects Baseball Show. My name is Dean Millard and my good friend Jordan Blundell, the head coach and the assistant GM of the Edmonton Prospects is here as well. How are you? I'm doing good. Looking up some top prospects here, just getting some work in on my fantasy team. Oh, really? Doing a little double duty right now. Yeah. Well, uh, for anybody watching on uh, the Edmonton Prospects YouTube channel, you can see a couple of games going on in the background and... Uh, you know, maybe, maybe you're just, you're just tuning, tuning in to see what's, what's happening, happening in the game. game. One, one of those of TVs, TVs, I don't know if people, people even notice, but one of them has a real game. The other one has a video game. And they look from like this vantage point almost the same. Like Video <laughs> games are sick. They're so realistic. That is great. They, they are. are they're they're legit. legit. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it's pretty, pretty cool stuff. stuff. All right. All right so so uh, on this show today, we're going to welcome Jamie Thomas, uh, who works for Jets TV. Uh, used to host some Blue Jay games when he was on Sportsnet, and more importantly, he's the commissioner of my fantasy baseball league. So we're going to dive into uh, fantasy baseball for sure. Uh, we will dive into uh, Major League Baseball as well. Um, how about this? Uh, a Jose Batista bullpen session uh, that uh, people are talking about. So uh, what do you think of uh, the, the glove flip instead mm. of the bat flip? Well, hey, you know what? They have the extra roster spot. There's 26 men yeah. now, so 25. Uh, the fact that he can provide a power option off the bench as a pinch hitter, could play first, could play the outfield spots in a pinch. So there's some versatility there. If he can pitch. If, if he can If he actually. can pitch, yeah. And you know what? Like, It's one thing to get on a gun and throw 94. Um, it's another thing to be able to command that pitch, mm. and it's another thing to be able to throw something off it. Marcus Stroman's tweeting out that... The slider's nasty. I, I can't remember the exact terminology, but it's filthy, um, which bodes well. You know, you need two pitches coming out of the bullpen as like a sixth or seventh inning guy with a bat off off the bench. It's not outlandish. I don't hate this idea. Why not? Um, if you're if you're able to pitch at that level, then why wouldn't you? He did have a hose from right field. I think the the most they had Statcast had him at uh, the highest his velocity was like ninety six point something. Uh, which is pretty decent coming out of right field. So, you know, if he can translate that velo onto the mound and becomes a 26 man and maybe, you know, be the 12th or 13th guy on a pitching staff with that bat, it's actually kind of a strategic, strategically, it's a pretty good idea if it works. If it works. We'll discuss that a little bit later or we more as the uh, show rolls along. Uh, we're also going to talk about some uh, prospect signings uh, that you guys have made um, and much more. Uh, but right now, we need to uh, go around the horn. Hey, bada, 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 so bada. Got him looking at the curveball. Let's go around the horn and get the big news in baseball. All right, uh, you can get a hold of us uh, at EDM Prospects on Twitter or at Prospects Pod. And uh, check out the websites, prospectsbaseballclub.com as well as uh, prospectsbaseballshow.ca. 
Uh, so when we, we start with uh, around the horn, let's start with this uh, bullpen session from Jose Batista. 94 miles per hour, allegedly. Uh, apparently worked out all <laughs> winter as a pitcher, yep. uh, trying to return as a two-way player. Uh, he last played in 2018. Um, do, do you think the two-way Shohei Otani experiment has been a, a great success that, that we should start looking for guys that can hit and pitch? Or like I, I just... I, I, I'm, I'm really struggling to see the, the mass appeal of having Jose Batista on your roster to pitch every once in a while. Yeah, I think the uh, the two-way phenomena is, how did you describe it? Do you remember what word you used there? Just now? Yeah. Well, do you think it's been a success? Yeah, and, and, and I don't frame it as a success or failure. Like Otani and Brendan McKay in Tampa are, are, are good at it. Like McKay is just going to be a pitcher, um, and that's generally – one of the two things will just happen even though you're a two-way you'll end up deciding what you're best at by your performance and the, the big league club most likely will steer you in that direction so on the way up sure why not why not pursue this opportunity it could provide more flexibility for your roster which everybody always wants and then as one becomes better than the other you let that play out and then you steer that person to that side so i think the um I think the fact that it's happening is good for baseball. Um, I, I don't think we'll see a ton of guys that can do both at a high level uh, like Otani. I think he'll be somebody that is the the black sheep of the two, two-way two guys. He'll be the guy that does it the best of all the other young mm-hmm. guys that are doing it right now. Now, to get to Batista, um, you know what? If you can get out at the big league level out of the bullpen, uh, you have value. That's just plain and simple what it is. So, you know, the fact that he can swing it on top of that, you know, if literally if he can get out, big league guys out, then who wouldn't want him in their bullpen? Okay, how realistic is this? I mean, uh, no, sorry. That's a tough question. I, I, I'm not going to take Marcus Stroman's biased opinion on this. Marcus <laughs> Stroman isn't going to say his slider is junk. Right. So I'm not going to take that. I, You know, I, I, yeah. I just wonder... You know, having Jose Batista on your roster as a as a pinch hit bat and all the things that you mentioned, he could play first, a little bit outfield, uh, but as a DH or, or a pinch hitter, I, I think that's, you know, if this guy can still hit in a clutch, that's fine. But expecting him to have, like, I don't even, I can't even think of how many innings I would predict him to pitch in a season. Well, I think, I think this is a situation where you would need to see him do it at the AAA level. Perhaps. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to start down there and, and if you have success, then why, why not? Okay. Yeah. I, I guess I just, yeah, I'm not against the idea, yeah. I, I guess, of trying it. Um, I don't think he, like, to be real, I don't think he ends up in a big league mm-hmm. bullpen. Um, regardless of the fact that he throws 94, which frankly, if, it, if anybody's watching the games lately, like. 94 is BP for for big league hitters now. Like you need to be running at 98 in pens. So um, 94, it's impressive, no doubt. I don't want to discount what that velo is, but um, you know, does he have white boat slider? Does he have enough velo to get by guys? And and can he command it in the seventh inning in Yankee Stadium? Mm-hmm. You know, when the game's on the line. Yeah, you know, maybe he can get on with the Baltimore Orioles out of the bullpen, and it doesn't really matter. And it's a it's a gimmick type thing. And perhaps he grows once he gets that opportunity, but. I don't see any playoff bound teams taking a chance on this. I just, I just hope we're not trying to force guys into being able to, uh, like, like this phenomenon of guys being able to hit and pitch. I, I like, I, I don't think that's something a young kid should aspire to do. Yeah. I, I think it's dangerous. 
Yeah, good point. Uh, I mean, I had to have surgery, and, and I'm not saying I was a big league prospect by any means, but right. I did both, and, and that affected my arm, and mm-hmm. I had to get some cleanup work done in my sophomore year in 2002 uh, because I just dealt with arm soreness all the time. You know, and I'd thrown too much probably when I was younger and mm. didn't take care of my arm properly and had some mechanical issues and then go play third base for three games, you know, caught up. Um, I, in my opinion, you have to be a real special baseball player to be successful at both at the highest level. Yeah. Some guys can do it into college. Um, I, what I think I we'll see more, Dino, is some guys maybe get that opportunity in the low levels of pro ball more than they have in the past. And from there, we'll see if there can be another two-way bat and arm get up to the big right. leagues but you know with this the way specialization is today it's a, it's almost not required and the fact, a, it isn't required and, and the fact it's that not you have another roster yeah. spot that you don't need somebody to be able to do both you can have one of those guys pitch and yeah. one of those guys hit yeah and listen i like i don't think the the couple of guys that are doing it now is all of a sudden gonna start a rampage it's not like the Finnish goaltenders that uh, made everybody excited or Quebec goaltenders that made everybody want to be uh, a butterfly well, goaltender. Being, but... a, being a good hitter is tough to do. Yeah. You know, and when you're spending half your time at the yard working on your mechanics and, and right. training to throw strikes down in the zone, up in the zone, spin rate and all the things, the catch words, when you're spending half your time doing that, you're taking away from your ability to square baseballs up against guys that have mm-hmm. devoted their life to getting you out. So that is part of the the deal as it gets a little more difficult to do both. Well, and and here's the thing with uh, Batista is him and Wander Franco, who's with the the Rays, uh, you know, the 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 best prospect outside of Major League Baseball. I guess they're saying yep. they're gonna try. They're gonna he's gonna give it a try with the Dominican at. Uh, Olympic qualifying. Mm. It's it's amazing. Like Canada has to qualify. There's a ton of teams that have to qualify. So major league scouts are going to get a look at him in that role first of all, and say, you know, is this guy able to do this, or is this just a you know kind of like a pipe dream, right? So I think they're going to get a look at him there. Um, well, we'll see how much the Dominican actually uses them. But for the Olympics, it's guys that aren't in the big leagues mm-hmm. that are qualifying. So he maybe he will get a heavy workload. Maybe we will find out what he's capable of on the mound. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Olympic qualifying is is interesting. Uh, uh, Franco, there's a few other guys. Uh, Canada's trying to get in. The yeah. U.S. Uh, who bombed out in past qualifying. Um, it doesn't get the the type of hype that that maybe hockey does in North America at the Olympics, at the Olympic level, does it? No, no, and it, and it won't. Hockey is the king. But even in North America, I mean. As far it, as like Olympics in the in baseball? Yeah. It doesn't seem to be as, as celebrated as much. You know, it's kind of one of those, <laughs> like it's the sport, it's just that's how baseball is. It, it's it's kind of like a, a laid back, sit on your couch. Mm-hmm. We got 162 of these, um, you know, because baseball has not been in the Olympics, um, and it's just coming back into to the Olympics as a sport. Yeah, and maybe that will pump it up a little bit more. You know, maybe, you know? maybe four, eight, 12 years, maybe eight years from now, yeah. baseball becomes one of those, like, hey, it's passion. It's an under-23 tournament. Right. Like, let's go. Perhaps it gets to that fever. Uh, I agree uh, with I you. Agree with you. If, if, if I were in, in the baseball, baseball scene and, and know of some guys, guys that are, are friends with friends that are going to try to qualify for Canada, Canada right? you know, nobody's, nobody's covering it, nobody's talking about it. It's, it's not, not, it's not, not in the news cycle. cycle. I know. Perhaps, Perhaps it should be. be. You know, I, I think the Canadian baseball program has steadily improved. They've won big games. They've shown well on the international stages in many different events. 
The only, it, be, it should be something that's being covered more than it is, for sure. This is an interesting story. Uh, current Blue Jay, uh, Ken Giles, uh, who was the closer for the Houston Astros until they traded for uh, Roberto Osuna. So he said he would return the World Series ring uh, from 2017. Uh, in an interview, I, I guess he was asked, uh, you know, and he said, yeah, I, I would uh, fully be on board with uh, whatever they said if... They told me I had to return the ring. I would uh, return the ring. Okay, do it already then. Don't say it. Like, seriously. Now, he's also a guy who says he had no idea this was going on, which which I call BS. Well, he's sitting on the bullpen. Yeah, but a lot of relievers sit in the dugout for the first few innings. Yeah. So I call this BS. Like I said with Garrett Cole, you knew something was going on. You knew. I don't. I don't believe anybody mm-hmm. that says they didn't. Uh, but but what about his uh, his claim to return the ring? Does that does that mean anything to you? No, because it's a fifty thousand dollar ring. You know, I, I appreciate this the like the sentiment behind the idea of returning the ring. But like you said, then then just do it. Present mm-hmm. it back to MLB without saying you would. And now somebody should call him out on it. Or being a dummy and saying you'd turn in, you know, $50,000 ring that still has memories attached to it. Of course. You know, and well, maybe he didn't get along with guys in that. They, they got rid of him. Maybe he was a guy that didn't have a lot of friends in there. Maybe, maybe there's some love loss with the Astros. Maybe there's a different motivation behind him, him suggesting he would turn the ring in. Maybe he doesn't like those guys. Maybe he didn't have a great experience, even though he got the ring. Well, he, did, he didn't have a good uh, relationship with AJ Hinch and he lost the closers role. But yeah. anyway. Mike Fire said the same thing last month. He said that uh, you know he would be fine giving back uh, uh, that as well. And he is the whistleblower. Like, he is the guy that started this with the athletic. And you know what? Pedro and Poppy owe this guy an apology because Pedro called him a bad teammate. Uh, Poppy called him a snitch. Well, this needed to be exposed. So yeah. I have no problem with what Mike Fires did. I have a problem with the bull crap of the Houston Astros trying to dance around all this. I, 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 I really found it uh, discouraging that, that, you know, those hall of famers, well-respected players would talk so badly about his decision to, to come forward with what is the biggest scandal in, in the sports history, in my opinion. Uh, what's the over under, uh, three, three and a half, four, five years before the Netflix special, the 30 for 30 on all this. What's the timeline before we get the, all these specials June. I, I, I think it's coming. Soon? I think I think they're working on a thirty for thirty already. Because <laughs> um, I would like to know the exact timeline of the truth from Mike Fire's perspective. Okay. Because his whistle blowing wasn't the first time he had alerted it. He had he'd reached out to MLB before that. Like there were things that happened before what we know, like the icebergs under the water and just the fires was the tip. There was other things going on as far as information being shared and told mm. and this is what was going on. Like it wasn't Mike, when Mike Fires came out publicly with The Athletic, it wasn't like, what? It, it wasn't a shock in, in the office of MLB. They knew what was coming. Well, they had already, they were already aware of what yeah. was going on. And Mike Fires uh, allegedly, or from something I have read, this wasn't the first time that the conversation had been directed to MLB mm. privately done the right way behind closed doors and nothing happened. Well, scandals scandals rarely take place uh, without that happening. Like, look at every kind of scandal. Somebody would, would have probably heard about it and ignored it. Most times, 
they ignore it or or th- whatever it is, and then it blows up in their face. Like the Balco Netflix, when that the the, the weirdo weight training weightlifter dude just was yeah. hanging around, and then yeah. they they trusted him with information, and then then didn't pay him, and he's like, "Well, screw you, I'm going to tell on you." Yeah, that's you know you know how often it happens where a guy or a gal or, or a person doesn't get paid and then that's the reason they blow the whistle like there was a, a war dogs movie and jonah hill was in it and 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 that's exactly what happened that a true story they forgot to pay a guy he called he called the uh, authorities on there them is. pay your is. people so mike especially Fires, if you're in a conspiracy pay your people well, i'm looking forward to to the the probably years worth of footage and coverage that this will have you know, it's it, going to be, yeah, it's going to be a, a long time and, and there should be a, a 30 for 30 for oh, sure on this. There, there has to be, and there's going to be the, the Netflix special and every type of documentary. There, there's so many avenues you can go with this. Mm-hmm. You, the, the amount of content that you can create. You can do a Sesame Street, Street special like, with the trash cans. <laughs> yeah. An angle. Yeah, and then, and then have Ken Burns do a whole, whole oh, season worth right. of. Ken Burns on the Astros, yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, uh, let's uh, move away from uh, Major League Baseball and talk about uh, the WCBL a little bit and what you guys got going on as far as uh, some player signings because you you have had a couple since we last talked. Yeah, we'll get into, I I alluded to uh, a catcher we were working on and and I can make that official. Uh, We've got a catcher coming from uh, North Central Texas College. It's a junior college. Uh, catcher's name is Nixon Brannon. Um, Nixon's a, a freshman at uh, NCTC. Um, you know what, man? Uh, just like all the other kids, uh, we, we, I feel fortunate at this point, at this juncture, to to have this player. Um, I've really enjoyed the messages with him, um, phone calls and messages. You know, they're full swing in their season. They're having a good run so far. Uh, they've got uh, the number nine ranked junior college coming up this weekend. Um, he's a fun dude, man. Like he wants to come up and play and, you know, I spoke to him on the phone, uh, before we ended up signing him and, and just talked to about, talk to him about Canada and, and you know, where we're at, what we're all about, you know, Remax field, how cool that is. And mm-hmm. sent him some pictures and some video of what we're doing. Yeah, he's, he's all, all in, in. And, and, and I love that. I love the reaction and that makes me excited to work with him. Uh, he's a worker. So, so as, as, a, as, a, as a coach, coach uh, and, and not, not just a manager in the front office, office as, as a baseball, baseball coach, coach um, I've already told him I'm excited, excited to work with him, flip him, front toss, throw him BP, because uh, he'll probably wear me out. out. He's a guy that's going to live in that cage, and I love that. You know, big Texas kid behind the dish, man, so it'll be fun. And I think there's some leadership qualities there as well with Nixon. So we're really excited to have him. And we have signed a pitcher as well. Mm-hmm. His name is Bryce Carpenter. Uh, I believe the hometown is Peoria. He's at uh, Glendale Community College in the Phoenix area. Um, you know, Bryce is a guy I found online uh, just through doing research and looking around and, and throwing lines in the water and, and like, stumbled like across. When you say doing research, is that reaching out to other people or is that uh, like how, how do you stumble across a player? Um, a few different ways. This player um, was a, was a Twitter find. Okay. Uh, um, you know, going through different pitching videos and and you know you just kind of find your way into some guys. Um, there's some guys that are done through friends of friends. Hey, contact this coach. Mm-hmm. Some guys are maybe players that I met last year on the recruiting trip that 
that didn't work for last summer and you circle back and say, Hey, what's going on? Right. Um, but a lot of stuff's done online, you know, you, and everybody's doing it. You, you, you're looking up different Twitter feeds or, or handles. You find some. So anyway, I came across Bryce Carpenter. Um, you know, and then you can look up some of his pitching video on YouTube and whatever he has posted on Twitter. You get a feel for where he's at. And you know the cool thing about YouTube is you can see where a player's at. A couple, a couple years, years ago, ago and there's some other sure. you can watch, watch some progression, progression which, which is fun to see. You want guys, guys that have cleaned things, things up. Um, Bryce, Bryce is a fastball, splitty, uh, curveball slider. I believe it's a slider. I might have to double check the video, but for sure, fastball, splitty. I like the way he's cleaned up his mechanics from some of those before and after videos. Ball comes out of his hand nicely. I like the compact delivery. Um, the, the video, video that I've seen, seen uh, of the splitty is looks pretty dirty, uh, which I like. I love the fact that he has a splitty. Uh -huh. um, it, it, in my opinion, is you know if you can if you can throw that pitch down in the zone, um, it's an out pitch. You know, like you just guys aren't going to square that up. You know, they they'll fight it off or they'll swing a miss. Like it's it's a true ground ball or strikeout pitch, and and the way his splitty works, I see that in him. So I'm excited to get that into our at worst bullpen, but you know potentially as a starter mm -hmm. as as he does he does start down at Glendale. So you know what Dino's like 87 plus with a splitty. I really like the splitty. The slider's there. Um, you know, guys out of Arizona, Arizona man, man like like that, that's, that's one of the hotbeds of baseball. baseball. He's, he's facing, facing some big time guys all the time. So, so excited to have him. Um, you know, he's, he's a, a worker. worker. Yeah, he, he's, he's, uh, he, he's he's one, one of the guys, guys that's helped leading that pitching staff. staff. So um, uh, th that's a good feature to have too. Is a you know sophomore pitcher that has been given some responsibility to take on some tough assignments. And again, he's a guy that I've really enjoyed messaging with. Um, you know, ultimately that if if the conversation isn't going well, kind of stop. You know, and then the conversation has been going on with Bryce for a few months and, and now we're finally able to get him signed. So excited about that. I've got a few more roster spots available. I'll be going down to Tucson next week, Dino. I believe the high while I'm down there is 27. Mm -hmm. I think the low is about 13 degrees. But I'll tell you what, that's a cold 13 degrees, Dean. When you're in the sun all day and you're getting tan, mm -hmm. you're probably burning a bit because it's so nice and warm and hot. And then it goes down 13, it feels like you're in Edmonton again. So, I, I mean, you won't be missing too much on that night. I'll be thinking of you because yeah. it'll be cold at 13 degrees. When do we, when's our flight? <laughs> when do we leave? Yeah, it's, uh, be at the ninth green at 9 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's good. We'll, 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 we'll probably take a week off of, uh, the, of the podcast while you're down there or Maybe while or you're down location. there, uh, maybe you'll uh, maybe you'll join us uh, from there. Maybe yeah. that's what we'll do. A live a, a live hit. Yeah, we'll we'll try to work that in. Right. Uh, also, uh, people should be watching uh, for an announcement from you guys. Yes. Uh, Homer has something going something. on that you will not tell me about. So well, it's tough for me to know too exactly because Homer doesn't talk. So, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, I thought we were set for Friday. I must have misread the sign language from you. Homer. You misread the look. Yes. The eye look. Yeah. Right. He gave me a weird look, and you're right. Now that I think back on it, I, I probably screwed that up myself. Yeah. So this Homer's going to announce this very soon, as soon as I hope and think tomorrow. Okay. So we're really close to that. Dino, this is going to be huge, dude. 
This is going to be huge. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I, I, I really am. Uh, I'm also looking forward to our fantasy baseball league. Okay. And I think we still have a couple of spots yeah. left. Uh, we did say that you had to be there to draft. Maybe that will be relaxed a little bit so we can make sure we get uh, enough. Uh, we're going to have a conversation with Jamie Thomas in a couple of seconds. And the one thing uh, we did talk about is holds as a category. Have mm-hmm. you have you been swayed at all to think that maybe holds should play a part in our fantasy league? Uh, I'm in. I'm in. You know, let's take a look at what we can do on the offensive side to maybe go yeah, to down 7-7. Seven seven. I, I don't like them being one category yeah for me it devalues the save it does a little bit yeah and i haven't used holds so let me pose this to you um does your team end up with more holds than saves over a week if you get four or five saves do you get seven well can you get a hold if your team loses the game no well do you know i got we'll we'll have to do the research because i was gonna say you could have a hold and their closer blow it and you still get the hold I don't, may, I don't know. I don't if know. If that's the case, you're going to end up with more holes. You could, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it become I think, more valuable. I, yeah, I think I think it's an interesting. Uh, I like it for the interesting, interesting concept. At worst, yeah. yeah. So we'll take a look at the offense. See if we can get that in there. So we're going to have the draft on uh, the Sunday before uh, the season starts. Uh, the twenty second. Twenty second. Twenty second. Three spots left. That's right. Let's get some listeners to fill those. Yeah, I'd really like some prospect baseball fans to be part of this uh, draft we'll get that out on the socials here now i'm not sure we're we're gonna have it at an establishment somewhere Uh, not exactly sure where but we'll have some fun we'll really have some fun with this and it's only 50 dollars buy-in so there's a little bit of a prize uh, for um we're waiting for some establishments to submit their bids to host us that's right it's kind of like the olympic bidding process here it's a fairly big deal so we're accepting bid proposals right now and we'll uh we'll pick one here soon all righty all right well let's get to our uh guest of the program jamie thomas of jets tv and uh fantasy baseball commissioner play ball Great to have aboard Jamie Thomas of Jets TV and uh, the commissioner of one of the uh, fantasy baseball leagues uh, that I'm in. Uh, also my uh, old uh, roommate and uh, occasional mm-hmm. uh, guest on uh, podcasts. Uh, so, uh, But most importantly, you're, you're a fantasy baseball commissioner, right? Yeah, that's what I, I forget the fact that I'm a uh, husband father and Jets TV host I like I would really like to lead with fantasy baseball commissioner you know their Twitter handle <laughs> their Twitter their Twitter advertisement of themselves like husband father son I would like to have fantasy baseball commissioner at the beginning part so I'm going to look into that after we get up, done doing this yeah so at your downtime you, you do some Jets games the Winnipeg Jets after yeah, you're done your right. commission <laughs> My, my hobby, my hobby is the Jets. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. Fantasy is, and, and that's what I tell you, Jordan, all the time. Don't worry so much about managing that game that you're paid to do yeah. at Remax Field. Worry about fantasy yeah. decisions, right? Well, I go into the dugout yeah. after every half inning. Yeah. I'm not doing anything except for checking my fantasy team. That's right. Leave me alone. That's, that's, right. It. that's it. Look, Jordan's pulling the bullpen. No, he's not, actually. Yeah. He's checking you the guys know the truth. No. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to make a trade uh, in fantasy. Yeah. So uh, we're going to get to a lot of uh, fantasy talk in, in a second, but let's get some uh, actual Major League Baseball talk uh, out of the way so we can get to the fun stuff. And uh, obviously, uh, here in Canada, um, you know, we're fixated on the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, you know, when you were with Sportsnet, you worked a few broadcasts, so we're mm. always interested in the Jays. And, you know, for the first time in a while, um, we're well i guess not it hasn't been that long since the the bat flip days but uh since then the outlook is is i think pretty promising for for blue jays fans yeah i think they're finally like all this patience and all this 
Uh, it's not as dark as it was with the with the Toronto Maple Leafs when Mike Babcock first came to town, and they said there was going to be a lot of pain that first year, and there was. Um, there's been a lot of pain for for Rogers as a company uh, waiting for the Blue Jays to to get around here. But I think you have some very exciting players that have to be ready to take the next step. The one thing. You know, I, I still think the Blue Jays are fourth in the AL East when all is said and done, but it's a much more competitive team. I think there's going to be more people coming to the ballpark, which we all know is the most important thing uh, on a day-to-day basis. And uh, another part of the Blue Jays that concerns me right now is not so much the kids that have to take another step. It's just I'm not quite sure about the rotation. I, I just There's a lot of guys that are like average at best uh, in their rotation and a lot of innings eaters, but there's not really a star in there. And that's where I think the, the concern with the Blue Jays lies right now. And um, considering where they were two years ago and even a year ago, I still think this is a much better outlook heading into the 2020 season. Well, I'm a, I agree. The outlook uh, to me does look better. And, and I'm glad you brought up the pitching staff and the changes that yeah. the Blue Jays went through and, and have made coming into 2020. Um And I hear you on the points of some average guys. And, and I look at it like last year is they had some – so many young guys that weren't able to perform at average that even bringing in some established average guys, I think will, will help. It makes it better. Yeah. Yeah. It'll make some of those guys uh, fall into their role a little bit lower. Um, As far as the off season pitching changes, um, let's get into a couple of the guys. What do you think about Hyung Jung Roo? Do you think he's a guy that can lead that staff and be their number one? And and then I also wanted to get uh, your thoughts on, Tanner Rourke and then Shun Yamaguchi. Yeah, I, I really, I mean, you have to have a, a guy at the top of your rotation. And the Blue Jays haven't had that for a long time. Is this this, you know, you remember years ago when they brought in Roger Clemens, and, and I, I don't think Hyun Jin Rio is, is at the same caliber as, as Roger Clemens was when he came to Toronto, but that is the guy you have. That is your, your ace of your rotation, and that's where everything falls into place. And they haven't had that for a while, and it's a bunch of, you know, they had too many young guys and the rotation last year. So, but then and trying to figure out what they had, but now they do have that guy. And if he stays healthy, then you're okay. You're, you're going up against the other team's best. Um, and you have a guy that can, can pitch against the other team's best too. So that is a big game changer for the blue Jays. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, you know, Tanner Rourke, I like too. Um, that's another, but to me, he's an innings eater guy, but better than what they had. So the, all the moves they made in the off season is a sign that they feel like they want to be competitive and they they feel they are better this year. Now it just matters how you roll out this year. And then do, are they going to spend money again next year to bring somebody else in? Um, what is Nate Pearson, the future with him for the Blue Jays this year? I, I know they're thinking about sending him to the minors to start things off, but he to me is the, is you know the X factor for the Blue Jays and what they do this year and then the year after that. So um, as always, they're being super cautious with their kids. They're being super cautious with Nate Pearson. Um, do I think they should start at the year with them? Cause they have nothing else. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that puts butts in the seats too. Uh, I think that's the way they should go, but I'm not the one making the big decisions on the paychecks either. So I, I like for what they've done. I like it to slow burn here. Like you're, you're moving slowly up. You're not trying to do too much too soon. Uh, you've been very patient up to this point. I think you still have to remain patient because you're not going to compete with the Yankees yet. Um, and you still think the Tampa Bay Rays are a big problem within the division too because of their pitching. So um, I, I like what they've done, and I hope they stay the patient route because uh, Blue Jays fans have uh, been through enough suffering. Just let them wait a little bit longer. Yeah, you know, and I, and I think that uh, 
Matt Shoemaker coming back uh, based on what yeah. he did last year, and, and he's off to a good start this spring, and, and we all know spring training doesn't mean anything. Uh, but in Shoemaker's case, it means he's healthy and he's able to throw and he's able to, to take on work. So that's where so that that has some meaning. Um, yeah. So I, I wanted to I wanted to maybe get you to elaborate on the idea behind Nate Pearson and um, to take a word from the NBA load management and his workload. Yeah. Would you prefer to have Nate Pearson start with the team and have them shut him down, a la Steven Strasburg back in the day? Or would you rather yeah. they make a call, you know, maybe mid June, and they bring him up and they they tailor his workload down uh, in, in the minors where he only goes five innings, he goes eighty five pitches, and they're able to accumulate the remaining. You know, he's going to probably throw one hundred thirty to one hundred forty innings this year. Accumulate the last sixty to eighty in the big leagues. Would you rather that yeah, at the like start the or the end? I like that at the start, and I realize that you know towards the end when you're out of contention you do want to bring your stars and your your up-and-coming players because that keeps people coming to the ballpark but uh, with a pitcher to me let's get this out let's let's see how the season starts and get it through the summer and uh and then send them back um you know when when you're out of contention which is going to happen with us there's no there's no question about that but i like the beginning part of your see what you have right away get them in there and get them feeling you know see what he has uh, I'm pretty sure he's a very confident person. I don't think you know a bad start's going to hurt him or anything like that. But I like the idea of bringing him in now. If, if it's a up and coming player like uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr., you bring him in the last part of the year because you can play him every day. So um, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of bringing in Pearson to start the year. But again, we're not. I'm not making that decision. But I like the idea of that. I, I kind of agree. I like it too because uh, it's it's not like when the Nationals were contending for a playoff spot and Strasburg was mm-hmm. not able to pitch. That's not going to happen uh, with the Jays. So get them up, you know, get as much as you can, and then then uh, shut them down. I kind of uh, agree with that. Uh, what do you think of the idea? And, and I floated this, Jamie, about Ryu and the Blue Jays. Um, you know, he's going to be the number one guy. The spotlight is on him. When he was with the Dodgers, he had a Cy Young season, but he was also pitching in a rotation mm-hmm. with Kershaw and Walker Bueller and, you know, some other, yeah. you know, he, he was he, he, like a, a, still a strong pitcher, but he was a little bit more protected in that rotation where he's not going to have that in Toronto. Uh, you know, it's like a, a second line guy signing for first line yeah. money and now all the pressure's on him. Yeah, totally. And that, that's, that's the concern in that aspect. You did, you did have to improve your, your rotation and you, you did have to bring in an ace. But dude, like you, you're facing the other team's third starter, fourth starter sometimes, uh, as the, the number three guy in the rotation with the with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Plus, you have that the batting the batting order that you have too. So here's the big challenge. He did have a great ERA, so I'm not going to take anything of on that one. But yeah, that's the that's if you're if you're looking for a weakness or uh, kind of a bad part of of the signing, uh, that that's the part that plays in it. He is the guy that's going to face the other team's best all the time, and that's where the other challenge comes in too. Uh, and he does have all the pressure, but the Blue Jays, uh, in a sense, did have to make kind of a splash in some essences with the free agent signing. They did have to get a name uh, to get people interested in the team again. Uh, so he's he's the guy. The, the the eyes will be on him at all time. I'm curious to see how he's going to react. I think he's going to be fine. Um, and I think the Jays again had to do it. And I think they made the right choice of the guys that were out there. Yeah, yeah, you know the yeah. there, there weren't a ton in, in that price range. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. I, I like the signing for them. I don't think they extended too much, and I think that they 
they can view that as they've got a one coming in Pearson that uh, Xiang Xiang yeah. Ru can slide down into the two and three. And if, if everything, in a couple goes, of years, maybe, if everything yeah. goes yeah. right, this could happen even within a year. Mm-hmm. This could happen at the end of the summer. It could happen next year, depending on yeah. Pearson's timeline. But um, out of the Jays, uh, we're looking at uh, a pretty exciting uh, upcoming MLB season. There's been a lot of player movement. Um, what what uh, what are the teams you think are, are have improved themselves enough to to for us to watch them? Who, who's the team to watch here in the AL? Maybe a couple sleepers in the AL and the NL. Uh, I really like the Chicago White Sox guys. It's just uh, I think their their uh, their batting order is something to fear. Um, they made the right choices in, in their in their pitching rotation too. Uh, Lucas Giolito is one of the upcoming best arms in the American League right now. Uh, so I, I like what Chicago, I mean, you're always looking at the Cubs and the, the Chicago White Sox are always that lesser cousin, the, the little brother and that whole relationship between the two baseball teams there. <laughs> but man, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what the White Sox have this year because of their, their batting order and their pitching rotation, I think is out there. I, you know, it's like a second one and they're not so much a team that's going to sneak up on anybody, but I love watching Tampa Bay every year. Uh, clearly one of the teams that are not appreciated enough. That's why we're having this whole dilemma with uh, sharing time with them in, in Montreal because they just can't seem to get the fans to come out in St. Petersburg because of the location of the ballpark and all that stuff. But, man, they, they are, for whatever reason, they do the right things when it comes to drafting pitchers. They get the right guy in there. Great uh, kitchen coaches down there, too, as well. So I always love watching Tampa Bay. Um, me and you are very similar in, uh, you know, the teams that we like as far as baseball anyway, with, uh, we're both uh, Dodger yeah. fans, but we're also fans of Mike Trout in particular. And man, this guy not being in the playoffs as little as he has been is such a crime. Um, what do yeah. you think, uh, what do you think about the moves, you know, on the field, off the field that the angels made uh, in the off season? Is it enough to get Mike Trout playing in October? Oh, you know, you totally want that for him because there'd be nothing better than to watch Mike Trout, on, you know, in prime time in October because we don't get to see him enough during uh, the regular season. I mean, clearly in the additions um, in the offseason, in the offensive side of things, or in, the, in the batting order, uh, you can't, you cannot go wrong. Anthony Rendon is one of the best. You got the deadliest one-two lineup in baseball, probably, arguably at this point. I just don't know if they've done enough uh, in the rotation to be a contender. Uh, in the American League, so it's just you have these two great players at the top of your batting order that are going to cause a lot of mayhem for you, and, and a very good uh, batting order for that matter, and challenging other teams' pitchers. But I just don't. I'm just there's too many question marks to me in the in the rotation for the the, the sorry the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim um, <laughs> at this point for them to um, to do any damage. But man, I, I just hope they're contending because there's nobody out there that deserves the opportunity to contend even for a playoff spot at this point that Mike Trout, he's made a long-term, very lucrative uh, commitment to the Angels. So you would like to think that they would reward him. And I know ownership is about winning. I know ownership has lots of money. Hopefully they just spend a little bit more and they spent it the right way to get them uh, to get some good pitching this year as well. Yeah, you know, the Angels, uh, you know, they went and got the bat. They didn't have the money to get Cole or, or couldn't get him. And he's a Yankees tried, fan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and they go out and they made a couple of Too moves bad. to bolster the depth there. Um, unfortunately, that just came out as Griffin Canning, mm. uh, one of their young arms. They're kind of looking as a 3-4 guy with some upside. Um, he looks like he might be out for a while. He's, he's come down with an arm injury. And, I mean, that's just another blow to the Angels pitching staff, which is where they can't really sustain any more blows. So, 
Um, yeah. Of all the offseason moves we're looking at in, in the big leagues, um, is there a signing that you didn't like? Is there something that uh, that didn't sit well with you as a Major League Baseball fan? Uh, I, I like a lot of them because it's too early for me. Uh, of course, the money that is being tossed around, uh, always you're always raising an eyebrow at everything, right? But everybody feels they got to make these, they got to make big signings uh, to, to to be competitive in baseball to get their fans interested again. Uh, it's always hard to tell um, at this point of me for to, to look down and go, oh, that's a terrible contract, right? So I'm I'm just I'm a kind of a wait and see guy, and you're always, that's the part about baseball. And sports that is fun. You, you may look at the contract and go, "That's terrible." Yeah. But I'm always. It makes you watch the early part of the year to see how it does work out. Um, but uh, to, to me, at this point, there's nobody I can sit and say, "Oh, that's terrible," because it's just too easy to say. There's no albatross hanging over anybody to me outside of you know the guys that already have terrible contracts in, in baseball, like Miguel Cabrera and Chris Davis. That the, you know you can look at and go, "That's a terrible idea." Uh, but it's too early for me to say that at this time. Do you I'm think, sitting on the fence on that one, Jordan. I apologize. <laughs> You're getting splinters. Do you think uh, <laughs> yes. You think four years is a good de- uh, number for Josh Donaldson? I think it's too long. Yeah, I do too. Uh, and you see, it's good for him, you know, because we've just seen too much, too many injury problems for him and the inability to stay healthy for Josh Donaldson. But, and he's clearly had one big year and everybody gets excited and think they can help their baseball team. But, you know, Minnesota already has enough home run power as it is for them to give him four years or something else. But uh, good for Josh Donaldson to fight his way back from injury problems and stay healthy for one year and, and get himself in that one more uh, lucrative contract. But to me, four years is, is, is a, is a eye raiser or eyebrow raiser for sure. And see, it's interesting, Jordan, you, you've got a good theory on why the four years. See, jo- Jamie and I are just strictly looking at our fantasy value, right? Of, <laughs> of Josh Donaldson. Yeah. Yeah. You're looking at yeah. the value Jordan of Josh Donaldson to the organization of the twins. And maybe that's why he gets a four year deal. Yeah. I think you probably throw an extra year on that deal because of what he can mean to the clubhouse. Okay. Um, Nelly Cruz probably has two years tops left. Who knows? I mean, he's a machine, so maybe he's around for four more years, but you you most likely can slide JD into that DH role in year three and four. Um, and then the other reason I like that, uh, signing is the, the professionalism and competitiveness that JD brings to your ball club. Um, all, all the swings we don't see in the cage, in the tunnel, all those kind of things. He's a real student of the game. And like you, like you mentioned, Jamie, I mean, they hit the most home runs in the big leagues last year. It's not like they needed more power. Um, and, and, and they probably don't need JD, but the fact that they've got this professional grade level hitter that is willing to share information, is capable of sharing information, and has been on winning teams, mm-hmm. Oakland, Toronto, yeah. Atlanta. He's one of those guys. He might be categorized as one of those guys, like a David Justice, a Russell Martin. If that's the case, then then it only takes one long run and, and get to a World Series for the Twins. And, and man, if they win one, it's it's paid itself off. So the four-year gamble on him and the money that they put in was uh, you know, about market rate frankly, but the length might be yeah. where we, where we see it uh, go south, but I'm, and I'm biased. I'm a huge JD fan. Sure, yeah, keeper yeah. for me. So <laughs> and you can never have enough offense. That's the other thing too, right? And, and, if you, if you I, can't I get the pitching, go get another bat. Yeah. Um, That's right. So you can, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I was just going to ask uh, about the most competitive uh, division coming out uh 
of uh, the off season. Uh, you know, is there one division that uh, stands out, and maybe maybe it doesn't have to be the most competitive, maybe most improved from last year. What what do you think? Uh, I think to me, and it's a runaway right now. It's the National League East because you have Washington, Atlanta, Philadelphia, and the Mets that could all have you know could all win the division. And, and I'm, you know, curious, of course, what's what Washington's going to do uh, without Anthony Rendon and your. You're curious about if Steven Strasburg going to hold up and Max Scherzer, if he's going to hold up for another year. But man, and Atlanta is just really, you know, thanks to their patience and the prospects that they have and their another year with Marcelo Zuna and stuff like that. It's just, it's just fun to watch. And Philadelphia is starting, you know, has spent money and Bryce Harper going to start earning his cash and stuff like that. So to me, the National League East is like a, you got four teams, I think, in the top 10 in a lot of, a lot of, you know, websites, power rankings. But that to me is, you're watching to see that one. Now with the Mets, you, they could fall apart at any time and they've proven that over the years. But to me, the National League East is a, is the vision to watch this year. Uh, I'm going to agree. Dino, are you in the National League East for the yeah, most competitive? I think so. I, 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 it's certainly not the National League West. And uh, the Central has some some possibilities. Yeah. Like I, I think the Central, National League Central is probably number two, but it, yeah. it has to be the East as far as it's it's, you know, I, I would say there's a few teams that you're favoriting, but you're not counting any team out. Like 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 Jamie said, the Mets could be the Miracle that Mets, or who staff, knows, right? Yeah, really. That pitching staff's yeah. deep, so they, they they could find a way to get in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Outside of the San Diego Padres managerial hire, Jace Tingler. Outside of that, <laughs> yeah. you're not allowed to use that one. Who do you? Who, who made the best managerial hire here this offseason? There was a ton of movement. There, there was, and I don't think it's like I'm a Joe Madden guy, so I just I love the fact that the Angels got on the on that wagon too, and he's you know won so many places, didn't win enough because of the weapons he was given, the shortcomings of the spending of the Tampa Bay Ray organization. So to me, Joe Madden is the uh, to me is a no brainer. It's just uh, the Angels need to start winning again. Um, you know they don't want to be the second ticket to the Dodgers, which they always will be, anyways. But they they like to get it back up there. They've spent some money. You may as well go out there and get one of the best managers while you're at it too. So I'm I'm a big Joe Madden guy, and to me that was the best hire of the offseason. Angels have won more World Series in the last thirty plus years than the Dodgers. Unfortunately, <laughs> yes, that was a Darren Erstad year. That Unfortunately. Was awesome. <laughs> Um, Getting okay. real tired of watching Kirk Gibson run around the bases. Guys. Yeah, <laughs> I'll never tire of that, but I would like to see somebody else do it. Uh, uh, let me tell like, you that. That's a modern, a modern film of the Dodgers well, winning well, the World Series. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we want some HD footage here or something like that. Um, <laughs> some launch angle stuff in there, you know, like <laughs> the one, the one hire I did like came because of the Astro scandal and that's you know Dusty Baker right and, and we, we've talked about yeah. that um, it, unfortunately it took uh, in my opinion the biggest uh, cheating scandal in Major League Baseball history for it to happen yeah I know and it, it's unfortunate and it it is the right guy to deal with it it's going to be a pain but man I just think we are just we are just scratching the surface of what this is going to be like this year and um, you know I've I, have read and watched and paid attention to all the reaction to this cheating scandal. And I was, I was okay with it because I realized you can't tell how much it really helped them win until I found out and I watched that video uh, about Clayton Kershaw throwing 50 curveballs, <laughs> sliders and the, and the, and the Astros didn't miss one. And then I got pissed off and I'm like, okay, this, this is, this is just one kind of little art that kind of goes in the favor against my favorite team or whatever. And my favorite player, um, cause I think he's always done everything right. And as you know, I love, I love the curveball, um, especially his, 
Mm-hmm. And for that to, to play that big of a role, and I think I think that is insulting. I don't think you can take away that it's the championship because you can't prove enough, but you can make it difficult. And I think a lot more people haven't paid the, enough of a price for it. Uh, so I think a lot of guys are going to take this into in their own hands. Are they going to be subtle about it? I don't know. Um, but I think Major League Baseball doesn't know real, realize how crazy this is going to get. And it, it will, I think it'll be early because you don't want it to affect your season later on. You don't want it to be causing you problems uh, about losing games when you need to win games. But I think early on you're going to have a, a lot of people reacting in an, a negative way towards the Houston Astros to start the season. No doubt. Um, rightfully so. I, I think they're poised to be a 90-plus win team, and Dusty being there was yes. – was a was a great hire. I think he's got the ability to keep keep the boat from rocking mm-hmm. and bring a little different voice. You know, there's there's an arrogance there with uh, AJ Hinch and how that team has portrayed themselves. The organization for a while. Here. How the whole it's not just the players. It's years. It's management it's too. Been years. Owners. So yeah. bringing in yeah. Dusty. Hopefully, you need, the, you need the guy that can keep things cool. Like you need a, a level headed individual to face this and kind of you know do the subtle things and he's such a good manager you're definitely going to have the woe with me attitude everybody hates us we're going to go again and screw them we're going to go win games this year and they will they're still a fantastic baseball team it's going to be tough to start but i think they're going to go through a lot of it you know they've already faced a lot of heat already through spring training early on it's going to be difficult but then after a while it's going to go away to me and then, sure, they're going to get hassled at visiting ballparks across the majors. But that's, <laughs> yeah. these are professionals; they can deal with this crap. Um, but they're they're still good. They're still going to be a contender, and that's probably going to hurt people even more. But winning is everything, and it doesn't really matter if you're winning. It doesn't matter what people outside the building are saying at that point. Tell that to Daryl Strawberry from the Simpsons episode, man. <laughs> He's a yeah, professional, and it affected him. <laughs> it did. He, yeah. he cracked like an egg on the stand. <laughs> he did. He was very sad. Yeah. Man, I, I wish Daryl Strawberry was playing now because he would be a fantasy keeper for oh me. Oh, my goodness. Let's get into fantasy. Um, yeah. We'll just cut oh right God, to the chase. We'll, we'll, give, we'll give Mike Trout the Wayne Gretzky from the 1980s NHL draft status, so you're not allowed to choose Mike Trout. Um, fantasy MVP prediction. Uh, maybe give me... Uh, Two hitters and two pitchers you think will be atop the league uh, come the come September. From a fantasy perspective, we're talking here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ronald Lacuna Jr. and Mike Trout are my two guys. Can't take uh, Trout. You're not allowed to. You're not oh, allowed yeah, to take, take Trout. I'm no. sorry, I misunderstood that? that question. Then uh, Cody Bellinger. Then there's my and that's sorry, that's National League. Then I'm going to go. You know what? No, no, no. Mookie Betts is going to win uh, National oh, League okay. MVP. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Yeah, here we go. There's a couple some, of Dodger uh, guys, there's... a couple of Dodger fans are going to fight over here on the podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Garrett Cole is going to light it up in New York. He's going to have a lot of run support. Oh, my gosh, it's terrifying. Um, and Jacob DeGrom, uh, the other guy to me for your, your MVPs in terms of pitchers. Uh, and then I got to go now. I got to go American League, right? So let me think here for a minute. Uh, Francisco Lindor then, guys. That's my guy. Hmm. Okay. It'd be interesting uh, if he gets traded after that. He would be following in the footsteps of Mookie Betts, who was uh, yeah. the, the MVP and, and was traded. Okay, um, something going on in, in the league that you and I are in, Jamie, 
is that yeah. holds has become a fantasy category. I'm really excited mm-hmm. about it. I'm trying to lobby the commissioner of the uh, Prospects Baseball League, uh, Jordan Blundell, <laughs> to add in holds yeah. as a category now. Uh, it was a close vote in our league. It was really, I think it was like seven to five oh, or something really? like that. Um, it was really close, Jordan, yeah. There I, was, I a like lot of guys it. that are old and don't like that stuff. Yeah. So here's, it's holds plus save. That's right. That's what we so, have to be pretty clear on. Why do yeah. you think it's going to help? I just think so it's going to involve. It's one category. It's one category. Uh, so if you get a yeah. hold, you get a point. If or you get a save, it? you get a point. Ooh. I probably yeah. would have split them if, if we're if we're being honest. But I like that we're adding it and bringing in another element because the game is changing. Fantasy has to as well. Has to. Yeah, and here's the thing too. Like you have. I understand, like, in our league, there's 12 teams, right? So there's mm-hmm. no excuse for you to not have a half-decent closer or two closers. We, we start two closers or two relief pitchers every week. But what happens, say, through the year, there's an injury, and the guy loses his spot. Then you become the eighth-inning guy, and you want that hold, right? So right. you can throw that in there, and you're not punished and scrambling to find yourself a relief pitcher, right? So that you, you clearly uh, ERA plays a large role in our, our fantasy league. Whip is in there as well. But I think you kind of have to have that thing where you're like, oh, no, my guy's not – or he comes out of spring training and he's not the closer, or there's that decision made. Uh, or know, it's a committee. Or the year and you're in your playoffs. Yeah, it's a committee, right? You got to. So you kind of have to protect yourself against that. Um, I was trying to cut back and say you don't answer one relief pitcher, but our our guy, and then it was you know, it was obvious if you only have twelve elite starters, that's not fair. It's too easy to get that one. It's not. There's no strategy really in having right. to dig and try and find that right guy. So. If you have that up and coming guy that could become your close, that could become the team's closer one day, then you at least have the holds stat there to get you some things. Again, like it's just kind of a saver. It's kind of a, a thing to you know save you if your guy loses his spot in the as, as the closer on the team because it's just such a precise position. Uh, when you have an advantage and you want to have something to hold him back on because you're still going to get your strikeouts in the eighth inning. Uh, to, to hold that win for the, the closer. So I just thought we'd throw that in there and change things up because, as you know, everything's becoming uh, – the, the bullpen's becoming more mm-hmm. of a, a thing now in, in baseball nowadays, and you gotta you got to react to that in fantasy baseball. And, it, and it's a change too, right? Because I, I – relief pitchers to me are very much like kickers in, in fantasy football. I'm not a big fan of them. Um, but well, they're more important them, than kickers. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree with you on that aspect because there's, there's a full stack category in that. But there's also field goals, and uh, you know, some weeks you're going to go without anything uh, from a relief pitcher too. So I'd say maybe it's just because they're just a pain uh, to keep track of, and um, they, they're changing positions, and they, they could be the starter, and they're the seventh inning guy sometimes too. So I get frustrated with them. So that's probably my reaction as a, a commissioner and the all-knowing one in the, in the, in the league in that aspect. But uh, to me, holds is just another strategy thing to add to it, and then you don't have to drop these guys if they, if they aren't the team's closer anymore. Right. Uh, you know, I, it's a uh, long-winded way of saying why I did it. <laughs> I agree. I like it. I, I just think it should be its own category. Are you, are you, am I winning yeah. you over, Jordan? Uh, I, I'm hearing a little bit like, let's give everybody a ribbon defense on this. <laughs> You know, like closer get loses his job. Well, let's keep, make sure he gets him hauled so the guy doesn't miss out. But that's just good managerial. You got to find the next guy, get on the waiver wire, cut a deal. Yeah. Well, we are in a league where you sign contracts, and and you you know some guys you're not allowed to drop. Yeah, you guys are, I, and I really like your league. Yeah. So yeah, that my bad, my yeah. bad. If it's it, a four years, Jordan Harris, if you sign a guy to four years. You, you can't release him. That's yeah. the whole thing until the final year of his deal. Because guys are you know signing people and then just 
dumping them off. So if you're going to make an investment in somebody and, and all of a sudden a year later say, oh, I don't like them. Well, no, you can't drop them. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I had J.P. Aaron Sebia on my, on my oh. fantasy roster for two years while he was not playing in the majors. So I, I bit the bullet on that one. So I think everybody should have to bite it too at some point. I haven't been able to drop Addison Russell for three years. <laughs> I tried to drop him, and Jamie's like, dude, you're not allowed to. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I can't drop this guy. He just never plays for me. He just sits on my bench. I had a guy that was in the minors that I had stupidly signed, and I couldn't get rid of him. It's a good rule. It's a it's a, yeah. it's a good rule. It makes Keep it keeps, strings tight. That, it makes you accountable. It does make you accountable. So we get into. You want to uh, throw on a big contract. You got to keep him on there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get out of this keeper league and, and uh, let's just move on to fantasy players without the keeper attached to them. Who are some of your overrated baseball players that uh, people make mistakes taking in fantasy? And I'm actually a little bit worried about somebody that you might mention. So let's see what you got. Oh, oh man. Like there's, you know, there's just like sometimes you think home runs are the end all be all right now. So you could point to so many positions and, but the thing is so many guys hit at least 20 home runs now. So you, you shouldn't be reaching on a lot of guys because of that home run. Right. So, uh, gosh, like, to me, Nelson Cruz, as a DH guy, is like an overreach guy. Lots of people are going to go with him because he's going to get 30-plus home runs. But I, I, that guy, I think, is over overrated in that aspect. Um, let's see. Who else would I go on down here? Like catchers, I don't think you, you – like people panic, think they have to get the best catcher, right? JT Real Moto, but do you have to get him? I just, made, so I just made a trade offer for him. Way? I made a trade offer for him <laughs> yesterday, by the way. <laughs> So to me, there's, I, I realize there's very few uh, top 50 uh, fantasy baseball players at the catching position. So I think any catcher you get in the top five is, is your reach. Joey Gallo is another guy. is just like a one-trick pony. So I think those guys are too, because they hit so many home runs and then don't do so many other things, I think those guys to me are the, are the overrated players in, in fantasy baseball. Was anybody there, Jordan, that was up there well, I was for thinking, you? I was thinking you were going Bryce Harper again because you had mentioned him earlier in this uh, I, I, But to me, he does a lot more than that. And I think he's got it. I think he's got He's just got over that first year of that big deal. Now the pressure's off a little bit. I think he's gonna, we're going to see a little bit more of the MVP variety of Bryce Harper. Yeah, when, when I, when, I think when we talk about overrated with Bryce Harper in relation to his deal. Yeah. In relation to the hype, yeah, like everybody, you're taking nobody is not drafting Josh Harper or Bryce Harper, right? You wouldn't draft Josh yeah. Harper, you're, you're, like Bryce Harper. You're going to get him anyways, <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah, I don't think you want to, you know, sit there and write him off. Say he's overrated. Besides, pretty soon we'll be looking at Mike Trout's deal and say, oh, I don't know, but uh, I, we would never call him overrated. How about underrated from a fantasy uh, perspective? Jeez, you got like there's. Certain ways you got to look at things, and um, you want a guy that's going to get on base, and so I think the, that's where you look. I think Joey got, or sorry, Joey Votto, although you know he's not hitting as many home runs, guys getting on base all the time, and I think to me he doesn't get talked about enough in fantasy baseball right now. So that would be my lead, my leadoff guy in the underrated fantasy baseball player category. So uh, Jordan, any thoughts for you on that one? Well, the underrated guys. Um... You know, I think that like in the fantasy, I think that uh, the younger players that we're not sure if they're going to be everyday guys. Like last year, I, I got Pete Alonzo late, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. he was obviously underrated because he hadn't done it at the big league level. Um, I had my eye on him the whole time. I didn't feel like anybody was going to take him, so I just let him slide. Uh, and the the 
the chance that he was going to have a big year, like obviously you cannot predict the 53 home runs, but um, the chance at 30 yeah. home runs, like you said, in the big leagues, there was, uh, I think, there was over 50 guys hit 30-plus home runs, so 30 is the new 20. Mm-hmm. Um, 30 mm-hmm. home run guys are, are, are guys. You need to start hitting 40 and 50 to be upper echelon there. You know, for me, he was a sleeper pick. He was underrated, um, and and you know, luckily enough, I got him, and then and you know, had the joys of experiencing that year with him. You know, I think there's the the, the underrated guys there are guys on pitching staffs that were maybe in the three four slot last year as a young arm that um, have figured it out in the off season, which we won't know until they get going. But there's some guys that are waiting in the wings, like the Indians have a couple more guys, just like Shane Bieber was last year. Plutko and Savali. Mm-hmm. There's a couple guys like that that I think are underrated as potential guys. And, you know, with arms, there's so many injuries. There's so many setbacks with guys that it's worth taking a shot on a couple young arms that are at the back end of some good rotations because they can they could pick up an easy five, six innings against another team's number five that they're better than. You know, they can pile up some numbers. And if something happens midseason, then they get bumped up in the rotation. But you're reaping the rewards of having a guy kind of like Hyung Jun Ru last year with the Dodgers, where mm-hmm. he's he's going up yeah. against threes and fours where he doesn't have to carry the load. Those are kind of facing Bumgarner yeah. and Strasburg. And, those are the those yeah. are the sleepers for me on the mound for sure. Uh, you know what? Well, I'll throw like Lance Lynn too, guys. Lance Lynn's a great son. There's like play. I know he's a little higher up on the rotation for Texas, but not a very sexy name when it comes to a fantasy starting pitcher. Uh, and I also like Joe Musgrove from Pittsburgh. Like yeah. doesn't get talked about enough to me. So, so the, like, like more at the front of the rotation in in Texas and Pittsburgh, respectively. But those two guys, I don't get enough respect in, in fantasy baseball. You know who doesn't get enough respect is Mike Fires for his mustache. Right. Remember last year, last year, I I, I was all over this guy. I picked him up, and he was uh, and he was great. And he also should be respected, and and he's underrated because he blew the whistle on the Astros. So that should give, yeah. you know, forget what Pedro and Poppy were saying about him. This guy should get a medal for that. Yeah, no question. I think that, that that takes a lot of work. And there's some refinement there. There's some hours invested. So you need a little bit more respect for that, for that type of growth. Yes, exactly. On and off the field. Uh, okay, let's yeah. uh, let's wrap up this uh, fantasy, dis- fantasy discussion um, with what is the most important position in fantasy baseball is it pitcher or hitter i just don't think there's enough pitchers okay so i think you want to not enough like a guys that can win like the elite pitchers out there uh as compared to hitters so i think pitching to me is the most important part so uh, you know the underrated the stuff that you need that there's not enough of are a stolen bases because of um, the change in baseball because it's all about the home run right now. So there's not enough stolen bases out there. So if you get a couple of those guys, you're going to win that category every week if you're in a head-to-head variety. And I just don't think there's enough elite starting pitcher out there, pitching out there. So I think you're reaching earlier to get that more all around that five-tool guy in the hitting. But I still think you need your pitch, your, your elite pitchers. So the Garrett Coles of the world, if that guy's sitting around, you go get him now. So that to me is uh, to me is pitching. Good stuff, my man. Thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us, uh, you know, from a, uh, a fan and a commissioner uh, yeah. perspective. A couple of different hats on the show today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate that. It was, it was a lot of work. Uh, I'm sweating. Um, I have to think too much outside the box here. So <laughs> We just appreciate <laughs> you, you take, for, cutting for... some time out of your busy schedule with the commissioner's role to jump on with us today. 
That's right. Yeah, and my hobby, the Jets are playing tomorrow, so I just <laughs> yeah. it's just so busy right now. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, my man. Uh, best of luck. We'll talk very soon. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. See you, Jerry. Let's get back to the action. This is the Prospects Baseball Show. That was a fun conversation. I uh, I always enjoy talking to my good friend uh, Jamie Thomas. Uh, he, you know, you and him are a little bit alike. Your mannerisms and stuff like that. Oh, really? I, I find you guys are a little bit similar. So nice. that's why I think that was uh, such a good match uh, for this show. And and as he mentioned, him and I are both Dodger fans. And Oral Hershey. Well, he told the playing the Pepper. Bulldog. Yeah, yeah, the Bulldog. The bulldog. Uh, that's funny that you guys are buddies and we're buddies. And if you think I'm like him, yeah. He's been like, yeah, I love the Dodgers and Oral Hershiser. I'm looking at you. I'm like, who is this guy? Yeah. He's like my twin. <laughs> That's awesome. Who's your go-to team right now? Like who, like you were an Expos fan growing up and you lived in Montreal, but what team do you, is it, are the Blue Jays your team? I, I want to give you an answer. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm such a, a fan of players and sure. whatnot and like how organizations operate. And, and, like, I haven't been able to choose a favorite team because of what happened with the Expos. I never, like, I, I love the Expos. Mm -hmm. And for me, the, I, like, it this would be perfect, you know, if Tampa Bay would just move the franchise sure. to Montreal. Because Tampa Bay runs their franchise just like the Expos used to. Yeah. Like, backs against the wall, no money, no nothing, bad stadium, horrible everything, and they're good here. <laughs> and they produce players yeah. that other teams get, and they're good. Um. I'll give you a couple teams because I like what they've done. Okay. I like what the White Sox have done. Yeah. Uh, they've made themselves a better team. Um, I like what the Angels did getting Rendon. Uh, they'll figure out the pitching. I think they'll figure it out enough to at least flirt like right to the end for the wild card. Um, I'd like the Padres. because I, I like the Padres because they're looking at San Diego and, and all their jerseys and their ballpark. And Tatis Jr. is unreal. Um, so I like the Padres is kind of that, like I have a crush on the Padres cause mm -hmm. they have some young, exciting players like that. Some guys in the bump. Um, and one of my good buddies, actually two of my real good buddies have are diehard Braves guys and they have been forever. Um, and I've always respected the Braves, but the Expos were in there. So I was like, okay. And we all grew up watching Braves games cause sure. of TBS. So I like what the Braves have done and always do. And, you know, I like watching Jays games. You know, I don't care that they're. 70 win team i think they'll be better i think they'll push this year frankly with the additions on their pitching staff just to even get to average was a huge jump mm -hmm. so I, I i'm entertained by them there's a couple teams that i don't like watching their broadcasts like that the nl central bores me yeah why i don't i don't, I don't understand yeah. I, I seem to gravitate towards the announcers from the west coast yeah I'm i can't stand white Sox broadcasts is, is like hawk harrelson hawk? still doing it i think it? he's done but i Good. love hawk I, 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 that annoyed me. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good call. Like it put it on the stick. board, it, yeah. but it just annoyed me. It got to, I can't, I never watch Bruins games. Well, I got, uh, I got in, a quick, in hockey because uh, Jack Edwards is the worst. I'll, I've got a quick, you can put it on the board. Okay. Men's league story from around here. So the NCABL is a men's league. Okay. That, that plays North Alberta Central Baseball League. Yeah. I played in that league. It would have been 2000 or 2001. Can't remember. Um, and I played with like five of my best buddies. And Coach Boyk was on that team, and we were pretty good. We had, like, five college guys, and then the rest of our roster were guys. Like, some of them hadn't even played baseball before type roster. So 
our top end was better than everybody, but yeah. then there was an even out. So we were playing a game in mm, Barhead. Okay. And like we we are a little bit cocky. Like our our top guys were a bit cocky and uh Cam Houston, uh one of my good friends and, and former guy that ran the Prospects Academy and stud D two player and all that. Um, he smashed a ball. I don't even know how far it went. And Blair Miguel, Rob Boy, a couple of my good friends, and I'm name dropping today. Hopefully they listen okay. so we can talk about this. They're on the bench and they they give it the you can put it on the board. Yes. Well, the other team didn't like that. Well, and neither yeah. did the pitcher. And I come up next. He got drilled. They threw behind me. They threw by they missed. They missed. They missed. I end up on first base. This is a great story, do you know? So first pitch, I steal second. Next pitch, I try to steal third, and I'm gunned at third. <laughs> and I slide into the third baseman and give him a, like a big shove. Yeah. The bench is clear. The pitcher is like double my size. Huge. Like he's running straight at me. I'm like, oh, God. And it's on. It's a base. It's a brawl. And one of my, I'll never forget this, do you know? Uh, one of my teammates, it looked like he was lassoed from behind because he basically suitcased and went yank on a guy, like, punched him. And he went, like, from first Superman, like a suitcase. Yeah. Anyway, a couple of us got suspended and fined. I'm not sure if I still have a fine in the NCABL because I don't know if I played after that. Right. So that's that's my story. I had to go with it. All right. It's that that story was not nearly as annoying as Hawk Harrelson's actual call. It was the put it on the board story yeah. that led into a brawl that led into yeah. some, some shenanigans yeah. with a couple of my good baseball friends. I, I just can't, I just uh, have a hard time watching every baseball broadcast because Vin Scully doesn't do it anymore. So everything under Vin is just not as good. I That's for you. me. Yeah. yeah, like I respect Vin. I wasn't a huge Vin. Like I, yeah. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. You don't have to be a Dodger fan to yeah. to love Vin. Yeah. I, and frankly, I don't mind Buck. I know it gets a there's there's a lot of like ah oh, I can't listen to this announcer. I can't listen to the, that mm. that announcer. I'm cool with all of them. Really, I enjoy that they're trying to do their job. You know, when they're really watch ta- watch a Bruins an entire Boston Bruins game. Then you can't do it. He's the worst. Just two homer. Yeah. I think Buck does a good job. I, yeah. I'm sure people would disagree with me, but, sure, but I yeah. appreciate what he Dan does. Dan Showman is probably I like the Shelly. best in the game. He's, he's got a little bit of Vin in him. He, he tells some stories within, and, mm-hmm. and he's really seamless how he connects them. I mean, he's not Vin Scully, but I'm sure that he's taken some of what Vin, made Vin special sure. and you know, made his version of that. And Well, that's what Vin Scully made popular is storytelling while you're listening to baseball, right? Yeah. Like yeah. That was one of the As far as teams... When I was on, you know, on the radio and on TV and, and covering the Edmonton Oilers regularly, I, I just, I will not cheer for an NHL team. Now, now I'm not on, you know, traditional media, so I can uh, cheer for the Jets a little bit more like I would. Um, but my flaw, when you're in the media, you can't have a favorite team that you cover. Yeah. So I didn't cover Major League Baseball on a daily basis. I'm not going to ballparks. That's why I can cheer for the Dodgers. Yeah. But in, when you're in the media, it's, you can't be cheering for another team that you're in a league you're covering. Like I guess, it's just you can't. I guess not. No, you can't. It's 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 not a. I guess you could, but you're not going to be very well respected if you're a cheerleader. You could uh, behind the behind the scenes. Sure, maybe, yeah. And and listen, I'm not talking about guys who work like like Bob Stoffer 
works for the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, so he's fine. He's an he's, oiler. He's an employee. He's yeah. an oiler. He yeah. wants them to succeed. That's fine. Yeah. He ha- he works for the rights holder. Um, but when you're just, you know, Dean Millard from Global Television going down to the rink, you can't be, you know, cheering for the Jets while you're down there and stuff like that. But <laughs> in baseball, you can... I don't cover that, so I have a favorite team, yeah. and you know I've always been uh, a Dodgers fan. But I, I never really gotten a favorite team out of you. I never yeah. really heard that. Yeah, heard it, was, it. it was the Expos, and I used to hate the Yankees. I was a Yankee hater, mm-hmm. and it just over the course of time, I just couldn't do it anymore because I, I, I love Jeter so much. I love what he brought to the field and all that. So I, I like staunch opposition to the evil empire. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the Red Sox built themselves up, and I'm kind of like, well, now they're both kind of like that. And uh, you know, I'm not running out and getting a bunch of New York Yankee memorabilia, mm-hmm. but uh, I did go to Yankee Stadium, and I did go out and buy a Jeter shirt because I wanted to support Derek Jeter in New York in Yankee Stadium, and I love it. You know, I just love Jeter, so I can't hate the Yankees anymore. I don't even hate the Yankees anymore. I do dislike the Astros, and I already dislike the Astros. Mm-hmm. Outside of the funny face look into the camera that they had, I thought that was pretty ingenious as far as all the things that baseball players try and do and, and come up with that are cool and hip for their time. I really liked that one. That's all I liked about the Astros is that they're actually cool about that. And I'm sure it came from a place of arrogance, unfortunately, uh, but I still like that one. But just everything they've, they've done over the last 12, 18 months, man, is like, Screw you guys, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day. I think a lot of people are with you uh, as well. Uh, uh, we'd like to like thank, thank you, you for being, being with us on this program. program. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe and leave us a review. Really important for us to be able to uh, improve the program. And if you'd like to advertise, email us, prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com. Thanks very much for joining me as usual, my man. Uh, we will... We'll just, we'll just, we might, might have a show next week. We, we might, might not, not because you're going to be away. <laughs> we'll see if we can work that in there. But uh, if not, have a great trip. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. One last thing to say. Ban the shift. It's gone. It's a grand slam. And that's the ball game.